Liberty Base here. The Eagle has landed. Worldview Truth. Anti-Semitism across the United States, um, probably some of it has come out just as a result of um, the attack, the horrendous, horrendous attack that Hamas had on the citizens of Israel. But as a result of that in the United States, there has been a uptick in anti-Semitism nearly 400% of where that uh, People are um, attacking in some way, shape, or form um, our Jewish neighbors here in the United States. And we're going to kind of delve into that. And I think I found some of the root of the problem. And it's not me specifically, but I think that a number of people are starting to hone in and really, really determine where the root of this problem is coming from. So we're going to spend a good bit of time um, having that discussion uh, going through, there were some uh, congressional hearings on this with universities, and uh, we're going to kind of go through that in detail. We're going to play a lot of video and have discussions on that. But before I get going in that and get started, Worldview Truth, there are a, um, we have a store, worldviewtruth.org. It's on worldviewtruth.org. You can go to that store and uh, click on shopping, and you can actually go. And there's some nice products on there. It's a number of nice products. There's some T-shirts, uh, Stand With Israel T-shirts, Israel You're Not Alone T-shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, there's also American Israel uh, lapel pin. Um, it's actually, it says $10, but they've, it's been marked down for $5. You can get a lapel pin, nice, nice looking lapel pin. It's got the American Israeli flag on it. We've got some uh, travel mugs, freedom mugs. Um, we have, um, a number, a number of things that you can, you can get. You need to go ahead and get that ordered early, um, or order it now. So, uh, go through that. It's uh, worldviewtruth.org, worldviewtruth.org. And um, hopefully you can find some some products in there that uh, uh, you can use, but also it helps fund the channel. If there are products that um, are Israel-based products, in other words, products that are supporting Israel in Word, etc., uh, we are using the proceeds right now all the way through Christmas on that uh, to help support our Jewish friends. Um, and basically, it's a communities specifically in Israel, and it's for protective gear. Um, all the soldiers are, are off at war right now, leaving a lot of the communities there in Israel um, unprotected, and uh, we are working diligently to try to help supply uh, protective gear specifically for those needs. So a couple of days ago, there was a congressional hearing, and basically the hearing was uh, put together, and there were three uh, universities that um, were called up to testify at this hearing. One was Harvard, Harvard University. One was uh, University of Pennsylvania, and the other was MIT. And all those universities, as well as a number of others, by the way, across the nation have has had some significant anti-Semitic 
incidences that have happened um, in those universities. So there was a hearing, and I'm going to go ahead and start playing some of this. This was actually a press conference just before the hearing, but I want you to hear the, the whole purpose of it and kind of get an idea of, uh, of exactly what was going on. Now, this was uh, reported on uh, Forbes, and um, there's several videos I'm going to be playing, so uh, just stay tuned for, for those other ones. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. This is a very important day on the House Education and Workforce Committee. Uh, we're about to have an incredibly important hearing uh, addressing the rise of anti-Semitism on our college campuses and universities. Joining us today to share their personal stories, we have four incredibly brave students, Talia, Bella, Eyal, and Jonathan. Jewish students, faculty, and communities at these so-called elite institutions, including my alma mater, Harvard, Jewish students are facing sustained attacks from students and professors who are openly propagandizing terror. And why? Merely because these Jewish students exist. In response, campus leadership has cowered to the woke anti-Semitic mob. This fanaticism against Israel is rooted in ignorance and hatred. Our institutions of higher education are failing our next generation. They are failing. Talia. Bella, Eyal, Jonathan, and countless other students. The attacks on October 7th shocked the conscience of the world, marking the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust. However, these atrocities were met with callous cruelty at universities across America. At Harvard, 30 radical student organizations disgustingly blamed Israel for the barbaric attacks against innocent Israelis, only for the group's actions to be brazenly defended by Harvard President Claudine Gay as, quote, free expression. Following our remarks today, the students will join my colleagues at the Education and Workforce Committee hearing where Harvard, MIT, and Penn's leadership will likely defend desperately their indefensible recent actions and the campus culture that has enabled anti-Semitism on their campuses. So she goes on with this press conference. They bring out uh, the, some of the students uh, that were involved, some of the Jewish students that um, – were basically attacked either verbally or otherwise um, by these radical, radical students at these universities. And the question is this, what just happened? Why, why is this happening on university campuses? All these massive protests across the nation calling out genocide against the Jewish people in Israel, they're coming from universities. They're coming from public universities. So what's going on here? Well, could it be something that has to do with who's teaching these students? I can pretty much assure you that's exactly what's going on. The schools, universities, public universities, they're broken. They're broken because over, the, over generations, over years and years, um, liberal, liberal professors, college professors, uh, presidents of these universities have been indoctrinating these students into this type of behavior, into anti-Semitism. In fact, um, it was interesting, one of the uh, questions that was asked about uh, to the Harvard president, the president of Harvard, 
was was a question of why Donald Trump in the 2020 election, he had nearly 50% of the vote. But at Harvard, the professors at Harvard, only 1% of the professors at Harvard supported Donald Trump. Now, I mean, there's good people that may not support Donald Trump. I understand that. But if 50% of the nation nearly voted for Donald Trump, then why only 1% of Harvard's professors uh, supported Donald Trump? That's one out of 100, just to give you an idea. Um, and that's, that's, that is just an example of where really what has really happened here in these universities. They're more focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion than teaching basic moral principles. And I'm going to go ahead and continue playing this. Actually, I'm going to go to actually the actual hearing that they talked about because it's very, very important. I want you to listen very carefully at what these professors say when they're questioned about the behavior on their campus and also the position that the university takes. Ms. McGill at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking. Whoa, 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 whoa. If the speech turns into conduct, yes, it's harassment. Asking or calling out the destruction of the Jewish people, if that turns into actually physically carrying that out, is that what she's saying? This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. You cannot threaten bodily harm against another person in the United States. That's not free speech. But they're trying to call this out as being free speech. Listen on. Specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. She won't really answer the question. This is unbelievable. Let's see what all some of these other presidents say. Based upon your testimony, you understand this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech 
is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also, against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you testify that you understand that is the def definition of intifada. She won't answer the question. This is the president of Harvard. Is that speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, you and I both know that's offensive. not the case. You were aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? As I observed earlier, I reject that characterization. It's the data shows it's true. Will admissions offers be rescinded or any disciplinary action be taken against students or applicants who say from the river to the sea or intifada advocating for the murder of Jews? As I've said, that type of hateful, reckless, offensive speech is personally abhorrent to me. And today that when no action will be taken, what action will be taken? When speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies, including policies against bullying, harassment, or intimidation, we take action. They'll take action if somebody physically assaults or murders a Jew, they'll take action, but they can talk about murdering all day long because they think that's free speech from a university. And here's the other problem. How many university professors are actually promoting the conduct that we're talking about here? Hmm. Let's listen on. Allow us to hold individuals accountable. What action has been taken against students who are harassing and calling for the genocide of Jews on Harvard's campus? Listen to this. I can assure you we have robust. What actions have been taken? I'm not asking. Actions underway. I, I'm asking what actions have been taken against given, those students. Given students' rights to privacy and our obligations under FERPA. I will not say more about any specific cases other than to reiterate that processes are ongoing. Do you know what the number one hate crime in America is? Let me just pause for a minute. That has nothing to do with FERPA. It has nothing to do with FERPA. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. If I called out for the murder of any race... That is a threat. That's making a threat. But it's okay because it's covered under free speech. Do you know what the number one hate crime in America is? I know that over the last couple of months, there has been an alarming rise of anti-Semitism, which I understand is the critical topic that we are here to discuss. That's correct. It is anti-Jewish hate crimes and Harvard ranks the lowest when it comes to protecting Jewish students. This is why I've called for your resignation, and your testimony today, not being able to answer with moral clarity, speaks volumes. There you have it. And now that's Harvard's president 
Let's see what a couple others have to say. Can you speak to the um, challenges that you've faced in condemning hate and acts of hate while making sure that students were heard? And also just want to appreciate the distinction that you made in one of your comments between what we can say and what we should say. And um, and just say that, frankly, I think there's been an explosion, thanks to the previous president in part, that has shattered the norms of what is acceptable to say. And we're dealing with some of the effects of that. So basically, she just said, uh, all this anti-Semitism, it's Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> That's what pretty much she just said. But isn't wasn't it Donald Trump that moved the embassy of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Okay, but this anti-Semitism, this rise in anti-Semitism is Donald Trump's fault. That's pretty much what she just said. Let's listen on. And acts of hate while making sure students were heard. Um, you know, I have to say my, my absolute goal is to ensure the safety of students and the continuity of our research and educational missions. And these recent um, events have troubled me deeply and we have mobilized as a campus. I think the most important thing is first knowledge to understand that, as I mentioned in a previous answer, that our leadership, our students, and our faculty have to have knowledge. But way more importantly right now is these students are thrown together in classrooms and laboratories and dormitories every day. This is where the dialogue is taking place. And we have to ensure that they have the tools for constructive communication across differences. Ms. McGill, just weeks before the October 7 terror attacks against Israel, Penn hosted a Palestine Rights Literature Festival. The event featured Mark Lamont Hill, who was fired by CNN for calling for the destruction of Israel. It also hosted and, and uh, included a member of the Palestinian Youth Movement, which has con collaborated with anti-Israel terrorists and... Maybe most notably, Roger Waters, the really wacky former Pink Floyd vocalist. The same Roger Waters, by the way, who's publicly used anti-Jewish slurs, desecrated the memory of Anne Frank, and has dressed up as a Nazi and floated a pig balloon with the Star of David at, most, at many of his concerts. Why in the world would you host someone like that on your college campus to speak at the so-called Palestinian Rights Literature Festival. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this. Uh, Anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. Why would you invite? Why would you invite? Why did you invite Roger Waters? And, and you condemn uh, what Roger Waters stands for. Congressman, prior to the event, I issued a statement calling out the anti-Semitism of some of the speakers at that conference. Specifically, Roger Waters. Yes or no? Roger Waters simple, is among simple. them. So yes. you, you specifically called out a guy who floated pig balloons with the Star of David at his concerts. I called out I the haven't, I haven't seen the condemnation. I'm going to go look for it after this hearing. And I, I, hope, I, I hope I can find that well-recorded condemn, condemnation from you. I did call out the anti-Semitism of some of the speakers at a conference that had more than 100 people. In the aftermath and of the Palestinian rights festival, you and your board chairman wrote a memo outlining Penn's free speech policies. You said, quote, Penn does not regulate the content of speech or symbolic behavior. You wrote, including speech, quote, incompatible with the school's values. You went on to say that Penn does not have a policy against hate speech because, quote, 
Defining and policing robust debate, even with respect to the most disturbing issues, is unwise. That, that's what you wrote. But in 2013, Penn canceled now Prime Minister Modi's scheduled keynote address at a Wharton-hosted economic forum in the face of opposition from Indian American professors. And for the past year, your administration has sought to punish Amy Wax, a tenured law professor for her stance on DEI and identity issues. And then you canceled an event with former ICE director Tom Holman due to student protest simply because he worked for equity and inclusion. Trump. Ms. McGee, Tom Holman, due to disruptive student protest simply because he worked for former President Donald Trump. Ms. McGill, the fact is that Penn regulates speech that it doesn't like. Everyone gets this. Uh, no one more than the faculty and students who know exactly where the lines are that they're okay to cross. Why, why did Penn let Professor Ahmad Amala off the hook who led hundreds of students in chanting, there's only one solution, Intifada revolution? Why does that professor still have a job at your university? Representative, our approach to uh, speech is as I identified, it follows and is guided by the United States Constitution, uh, which allows for robust perspectives. Uh, I disagree with robust. the characterization uh, that we treat speech differently, uh, and I can't discuss any individual disciplinary proceedings. The same goes for Penn Professor Ann Norton, who's repeatedly denied Hamas's worst, worst atrocities on October 7. Or how about Huda Fakhreddin, who romanticized the murder of over a thousand Israeli Jews as, quote, Palestine inventing a new way of life, and clapped as a speaker said Jews should go back to Berlin and Moscow. Why does that professor still have a job at your university? See, he's calling out professors. Perhaps that is the problem. Maybe it's the professors that are indoctrinating these young people into these anti-Semitic philosophies. I'm very troubled by what you're describing, Congressman, that kind of... Uh, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. You're defending it. You allow these professors to teach at your college. You create a safe haven for this type of anti-Semitic behavior. You said something earlier about anti-Semitism being symbolic of the larger society, your university is a hotbed of it. And one of the reasons that we're seeing a rise of anti-Semitism and an unsafe environment for, for Jewish college students all over this country, you're largely responsible for it. Dr. Gay, an article in the Harvard Crimson dated October 10th includes a statement from the Harvard Undergraduate Palestine Solidarity Committee, co-signed by 33 other student organizations at Harvard. I'd like to read the statement to you. Quote, we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. How, Dr. Gay, do you recon reconcile the blatant hypocrisy of allowing your students a forum to promote and celebrate terrorist groups that make the rape and mutilation of women and children a core function of their operations, while at the same time working for years to combat sexual violence towards women. And by allowing a month to pass before addressing with a real plan and demonst uh, 
the demonstrations and intimidations on your campuses, what message is this? And this delay conveying to your women on your campuses, I can only imagine how terrifying it is to be a Jewish woman on any of your campuses. Just last night, a Jewish student from MIT wrote to me that she felt fearful and was forced to leave her study group during her doctoral exams because someone in her group told her that the women at the Nova Festival deserved to die because they were partying on stolen land. Now, while I am grateful for your condemning of anti-Semitism in statements to your students and to this committee, it's not enough. There has been no real action to hold anti-Semitic students accountable for their behavior. They should be expelled. The bottom line is that the buck stops with university presidents and all students should feel safe on a college campus, especially in this case, Jewish women as it would be terrifying to know that my administration is not doing more than simply condemning student groups, perpetuating terrorist messaging. And this isn't just isolated to these, these three universities. This is not isolated uh, just because, and you've, you've heard the rhetoric and you've heard the spin of these uh, presidents of these universities, every one of them uh, would very effectively spin these outright issues that they're addressing because it is promoted on these university campuses. This is the hotbed. This is where that anti-Semitism um, has found roots and is growing at a very, very rapid pace. Majority of the, the protest that you see, um, the anti-Israel uh, protests that you see coming across the the uh, the U.S. and I'm not talking about just anti-Israel protests. I'm talking about calling out for genocide against the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. That's what I'm talking about. And what you'll find is you will find every single one of these major protests. They're pulling students out of these universities. Uh, to mass these big protests. Why? Because this is being taught. These university prep professors are taught, teaching it. It's, um, it is becoming an epidemic um, in our nation. And if we, as citizens, we can do a couple things with that. We can start calling out our state leaders and our national leaders and say, look, we do not want one more dollar going to these universities uh, through any type of tax initiatives and tax funding. The federal government funds a lot of these universities. A lot of states fund a lot of these universities. Um, and here in Florida, we've got some of the same problems. And what I would per se, I per, and what I would propose, if you're a parent that you're wanting to send your school, your student to one of these Ivy League universities, uh, you may want to rethink that. You may want to rethink that. This is Randy Osborne. Until next time, God bless. We've all seen the horrific, horrific images on television and on the internet and social media. Israel has lost 1,600 citizens. Many of them children, women, babies. Many of them were tortured to death. 
And we as Americans want to know what we can do to help our Jewish friends in Israel. Number one is pray for the nation of Israel. Pray for wisdom. Pray that God will protect the nation of Israel. And then the second thing you can do is give. And we have a fund that you can donate to. It's on worldviewtruth.org, worldviewtruth.org. And we are supplying protective gear for the, the communities throughout the state of Israel. If you are interested in that, you can go to worldviewtruth.org, click on the Israel Fund donation, and donate whatever amount you're able to give. And we will make sure that every single donation um, will help supply the needs of the families across the state of Israel. You see, the soldiers are battlefield. They are away from their families. So we want to make sure that the families are secure and safe that are in the communities. Thank you and God bless. Worldview Truth.